You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning. I'm the director for the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship, the Archdiocese of Chicago. So we welcome you to our radio show. So today we're going to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And as we consider our parishes and our churches, it's really important as we start to be able to come back and to join together with larger groups of people, what that can mean um, having come out of a pandemic, and just in general, the importance of understanding why we need to talk about mental illness. So first up today is Doug Beach, and Doug is the NAMI Faith Net. Um, he is the... Um, well, tell me what your role is, uh, Doug. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Beth, and thank you for uh, inviting me on today. I'm the chairman of the advisory group for NAMI FaithNet, and NAMI FaithNet is uh, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, uh, the NAMI's outreach to faith communities to help provide support for people uh, in our communities that have a mental health issue. So tell me just a little bit, our listeners, about NAMI in general. Okay, NAMI uh, is, well, I think it was founded in the uh, early 80s. It's the, there are 650 affiliates throughout the United States. Uh, it's the largest grassroots organization in the U.S. that advocates for uh, people that have a mental, he- uh, mental health issue, a diagnosis. Uh, and we provide education, advocacy, and support. So we have free educational classes for both family members, people who are caregivers, and for people who are living with their own diagnosis, as well as uh, parents of adolescents, veterans, uh, healthcare providers, uh, people who kind of come into the sphere of, of mental health uh, or somebody. You know, when you think about the statistics, one out of five people will have a mental health disorder this year uh, in a place like Chicago. That's a huge number. Uh, And over a lifetime, that amounts to actually almost uh, 50%. So it means that almost everybody knows somebody that has a mental health issue uh, will have or they themselves might have. So it's it's a big universe of people. So when we look at um, the faith net in particular, what is the role of the faith net as a part of NAMI? Uh, 
our, our job is to, through the affiliates, is to reach out to faith communities uh, to uh, open the door for a conversation about what is mental illness and how do we support people who either have a family member or they themselves have a mental illness. So that's, that's job one, and that's establishing those relationships with uh, faith communities, with churches, synagogues, uh, temples uh, in a community. Uh, the, one of the interesting statistics is that people reach out first to a pastor, priest, or rabbi more often than they reach out to uh, any other professional. And why is, the, why is that? Because faith is a big part of people's uh, lives, and uh, especially for people who are dealing with really difficult circumstances. So when you look at the work of FaithNet, why do you, is it important, and especially this being mental, um, mental Health Awareness Month, why is it important to talk about it? Well, as I just mentioned, uh, for people first of all turn to their uh, faith communities for help uh, most often when they're in mm-hmm. crisis. So that's number one. Uh, so if you think of uh, churches, for example, and clergy and lay leaders as being the first responders mm. uh, to families uh, that, are, that are dealing with mental health issues. So that's, that's number one. Number two uh, is that in my experience over years of teaching NAMI classes, family classes, what people tell us is that their faith is a key part. I mean, without their faith, they really, it would be just very, very, very difficult for them uh, to kind of navigate from week to week and through the crises that they're dealing with. So faith is a real important part. We also believe that uh, mental health is part of, uh, that we're whole people, uh, body, mind, and spirit. So it's not just taking care of the mind. It's also taking care of the spiritual aspects of people uh, and the physical aspects. And when we do that, uh, we find that people get better. uh, Their resilience is better. Um, So we try to look at this as a holistic uh, proposition. So it's important to the families that are involved in this. Their faith is important. Um, But it's also important to all of us uh, as we think about our, our own mental health. So part of the um, issue with mental health is there is a stigma um, that people don't talk about it. They don't want people to know or um, people don't know how to react when they hear of someone having some mental illness issues or depression or anxiety. And and so what we were talking the other day as a prep for today, you, you mentioned that there's a core to that. Can you share with our listeners what you think the core is? Uh, well, I think one of the things, and uh, you can tell me, but I, I, I you think said that, it be, be, being afraid of being misunderstood is what you said. Yeah. Okay. Um, when somebody has a mental illness, or they, <clears throat> or somebody in their family has a mental illness, I think the first thing is that people tend to isolate because of mm-hmm. the stigma. Uh, they pull back. And so what they're really looking for, what we really can offer in our faith communities is that companionship. Knowing what this illness is uh, makes it less sort of scary uh, for people. Uh, but it is, um, while, while mental illness isn't, uh, you can't 
quote-unquote cure mental illness, <clears throat> you can uh, – there, there's recovery. And I would say 80 to 90 percent of the people who deal with a mental illness can recover. So there's hope. So the first thing people need to know is that uh, even though this, this can be a lifetime illness, um, there's hope uh, and there is recovery and there's resilience. And faith communities play a large part in helping people along that path. So being a companion, walking alongside somebody, being able to listen, kind of those core skills. So to go back to stigma, number one, education. Number two, seeing the person and not the symptoms of a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think those are very core beliefs within, uh, you know, Christianity and, and uh, all faiths. So this year, we've heard a lot about um, increased numbers of depression with the isolation and the loneliness, anxiety. Um, what is that telling you about um, the state of our country right now and also about um, moving forward? Well, uh, two things. It's real. You know, this, this level of anxiety and depression uh, I mean, everybody can see it in family mm -hmm. members, friends. Uh, you read about it in the paper. Suicide rates are, are definitely up. So it tells us that we need, you know, if you think about it, it one of the things it tells us is how important community is, mm. how important it is to be in a supportive yeah. environment and to be around other people. And, you know, I've been on... 4,000 Zoom calls this year, and as much as I uh, appreciate the technology, um, what we're seeing, beginning to see right now, especially with the announcement last week from the CDC, is people are anxious to come back together. Mm. So I think the first, you know, I know that most faith communities have guidelines. Uh, they're working right now on how do we do this. But one of the things that would be important for a faith community to do, in, especially in Mental Health Awareness Month, is to begin to prepare um, faith communities for how are we going to come back together? How do we recognize the difficult uh, position that lots and lots of families have been in? How do we uh, help people who may have been going through depression? So, and, that, and that's one of the areas where NAMI can help. And uh, I think being educated within a congregation, and NAMI has resources to kind of get people up to speed on um, mental health issues and how to help people navigate that. And for the FaithNet component, is there a particular place on the website to look for that? If you go to uh, NAMI.org, actually you can Google NAMI FaithNet. Okay. Uh, and that's a, uh, a page on the NAMI website. And within the, on the NAMI FaithNet uh, webpage, there are many, many resources there are uh, that, that people can find. So that, that's a good, quick way to go and find resources. So one of the most important things to do, as you were saying, is to sort of educate ourselves and kind of understand. So I was wondering if you could share with me a little bit about what has drawn you to this work and why it's mm -hmm. so important to you. Well, um, number one, I'm a parent of a, an adult son with a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. uh, he's now 44. Uh, this started over 20 years ago. Uh, 
and so when it when we first uh, began to understand what this was, um, that it was a mental illness. Uh, and my wife and I decided we needed to get much better educated, and we got involved with NAMI. Uh, we began teaching classes. We took class, the, the NAMI classes, then we began teaching the classes. Uh, we began leading a, a support group uh, at our church uh, every other week. Uh, and what we found was that, you know, being around other people, uh, other families that were dealing with the same issue was extremely helpful. Mm. Um, it's way? very, well, I think, you know, number one, you're able to share in mm. a non-judgmental uh, environment, you know, what exactly is going on in your family. Mm. And one of the things that many people tell us who come to our group, uh, and we've been doing the group for over 10 years, uh, is that this is the only place I can come where everybody understands mm. what I'm dealing with and and in the process, you know, people people may not be able to have a solution at the tip of their fingers, but um, they're empathetic. Uh, they they get the problem. So being in a uh, supportive, uh, empathetic uh, place is uh, healing. I had one dad who I've known for, gosh, eight or nine years, and I know uh, – and I know his son's circumstance. And so not too long ago, and he's been dealing with this for years, and he, his son has schizophrenia and has very, very difficult diagnosis, mm. has been in and out of jail, in and out of the state hospital, uh, drug addicted, and uh, very, very ill. And I said, well, Mark, um, uh, how's Patrick doing? And he said, well, you know, Patrick's about the same. He's, he's better than he was a couple years ago. But he said, the big difference is I'm better. Mm. And I think that's a big part of this because families in particular and, and friends, if you can be supportive, then you can be um, – that, that's a big, big help uh, to families that are going through this. So uh, – and you can't fix, quote, unquote, you can't fix somebody, and you have to be uh, – who has a mental illness – but you have to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to provide that long-term uh, support. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's a lot of what we do with NAMI is help prepare people uh, to learn how to uh, help their family member or themselves over a lifetime. And when you do that, you know, typically people get better. Their situations get better. They're, they may not be great, but they're probably a lot better than they were. Yeah. So, Doug, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about uh, this month and the way that we can support families. Okay. Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. 
Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more, whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312 312- Nine three seven three three seven five. Welcome back to On the Way. I'm Beth White from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship at the Archdiocese of Chicago. This morning we are talking to Doug Beach, and we are talking, focusing our attention on. Um, Mental Health Awareness Month and really talking about getting back to church and what that's going to mean for folks who've been struggling with depression or, um, you know, isolation, anxiety. Um, so, Doug, we're, as we, we were just talking about um, support for families and the way in which your wife uh, put together a support group and really learned as much as you could after your son's diagnosis and how you've been walking with families during this, these last 10 years or so. What, what are some of the things that you've learned that could help our listeners about the importance of creating a space? When we talk about evangelization, um, our office, we talk about radical hospitality and creating a space in which people are known, seen, heard, where they are welcomed and they have a sense of belonging just where they are. And so how can you see supporting folks, as you described, being something that would be a part of radical hospitality? Well, so there are some <laughs> simple things that can be done. For example, uh, almost every church has you know, some resource, a place in the church where there are resources, pamphlets, uh, <clears throat> information, mm-hmm. Uh, or on a website, and I think just including information about either that NAMI has available or uh, National Suicide Prevention, Alliance Prevention, um, and other organizations is is extremely helpful because if it's out in view of people, uh, then people get the message real quickly that, okay, 
it's it's okay to talk about this. Mm. Uh, and in fact, we care. And I think one of the things that families who have somebody with a mental illness uh, face, as I said earlier, uh, they tend to isolate. So when they see that somebody has, that there's information available, that people are actually interested and concerned uh, and compassionate, then it helps them understand that this is a place where I'm welcome. And I think learning how to be welcome, welcomed, uh, inclusive, and supported is is really the key. And a key part of that is listening. So having some uh, information that's readily available is important. Uh, forming a uh, informal or formal uh, effort within a congregation to talk about mental health and to talk about, well, what can we do? What are the needs of our congregation and the people in our congregation? Those are real simple things. The last thing is, uh, and this is uh, something uh, Pastor Kay Warren in Saddle at Saddleback Church in California talks about, is when somebody says to you, you know, my, my daughter is dealing with depression or I'm dealing with depression uh, or I have a son with a mental illness or a spouse, that too oftentimes people don't know what to say, don't know how to uh, react, and a lot of times they turn away. Mm-hmm. So Kay's advice is don't move away from somebody in the pew. Move closer. Mm-hmm. Listen. Make them, uh, let them know that you care. We don't have to solve problems. We don't have to fix people. All we have to do is really listen and be that companion uh beside somebody. So those are some simple things that can be done. So Doug, you mentioned depression and, you know, I, I, I've dealt with some, um, depression, blue days, sadness, but I've never dealt with mental illness level depression. Can you tell me a little bit about what the difference is with that, about telling someone just to get up and get moving, how that isn't really that helpful? Well, I think there's a First of all, there are signs and symptoms of um, mental illness, and that's easy to Google and look look mm-hmm. that up. Uh, and but one of the differences is some days, you know, everybody has a bad day, yep. you know, now and then, and or maybe even a bad week. But if it's persistent, uh, if it's if you can't move out of it, um, then that is a sign that there's there's a problem. The um, I know in my own son's case, uh, he couldn't get out of bed. I mean, he just could not. Uh, he just, you know, he was stuck. Uh, and so I think when you see that kind of behavior, then you know that it's time to probably get some uh, clinical help. So how has your faith helped you personally to deal with your sons, uh, to manage your um, own relationship with your son during his mental illness? Yeah. Well, I think my faith, uh, you know, I'm probably like 95% of the people that attend our classes. If I didn't have faith that um, there was hope, uh, then I, I it would it would have been almost impossible to keep mm-hmm. going. It gave me that daily, because it is a daily thing. Uh, you know, beginning with uh, prayer, um, having a confidence that uh, that you're loved, that your family member is loved, uh, knowing that uh, God is uh, that cares about us, 
and that being around other people who care about you is what sustains you. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of that crisis, you don't know, you know, you just, you're just trying to hold on uh, by your fingernails. So your faith gives you that anchor. And when you, when you think about other parents and, you know, it used to be diagnosed of mental illness was in the twenties usually, but now we're hearing younger and younger, um, young people dealing with, um, real anxiety disorders and, uh, depression levels that we've never seen before. What would your advice be for some parents out there? Well, first of all, 50% of mental illness begins by age 14, oh, wow. 75, 75% by age 24. And so what happens is that the, the uh, incidents may be there, the, the, the breaks, the, um, the depression may be there, but we may not recognize it. We may say, oh, that's just being a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's another important part about being educated. You know, as you asked earlier, you kind of know when have we sort of crossed over that uh, boundary of it being, uh, you know, a, a bad day versus something that's chronic. Uh, mental illness is a biochemical brain disorder. So I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, we have to do things to um, rectify that, and that's what uh, professionals are, are there for. Uh, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it does. But... It does. And I think um, one of the things that I, I've i said is that if we could talk about mental illness like we do cancer, cancer used to be something that no one ever talked about. It was the big C. Nobody even mentioned the word. But I... You know, I know so many people that have struggled with cancer, and I have never myself, thanks be to God, but I know all about, you know, radiation and chemotherapy and all of the different ways in which we address cancer. Um, There's a hope that maybe one day we can get to that with mental illness as well. That's, uh, That's the hope, and as with any other illness, the earlier you recognize the symptoms and you uh, try to get help, uh, the better the outcomes. Uh, it's when kids, for example, uh, may have had problems in, in junior high or high school, they go away to college, mm-hmm. boom, the stress levels yeah. are something they've never experienced before. And that's where we see so many young people uh, have significant difficulties. We don't have to wait for that to happen. Oh, so the difficulties are likely there before, but it's the stressor of college that right, triggers exactly. it. I see. Yeah. I see. And, and so stress this... actually is the most is, is the biggest contributor to the trigger for a mental health issue. That's true in young in young adults and in uh, adolescents, but it's also true in uh, adults. And uh, we're also seeing probably more PTSD, or we recognize PTSD in adults. Uh, more than we have in the past. And stresses, the trauma, is what creates that. And so living through a pandemic and perhaps losing your job, losing a loved one, um, having the the fear of getting COVID or um, all the things that we've dealt with this year, that's a huge stressor, right? Uh, off the chart. Yeah. And that's why... That's why one of the things you'll see, and this is why this is important to talk about now, uh, we talk in NAMI, we talk about the fourth wave. That's the tsunami of mental health issues that are coming towards us. We haven't seen it 
to the degree that we're going to. And so people that can uh, prepare themselves, uh, groups that can prepare themselves now for being supportive, that's going to make a big difference in the next two to five years. So as people start processing this and come out, it's going to be more and more um, post-traumatic stress. Interesting. Interesting. So the best thing that our, our parishes can do then is to get prepared now to how to receive people, how to walk with people, as you said, for the long haul. That's 100% correct. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners that I didn't ask you this morning? Uh, the only thing I would like to share is that if you see signs and symptoms or what you—I often ask parents, I said, do you— if, if you see your family member uh, exhibiting a behavior that you don't recognize, you say, wow, uh, that's just not them. I don't recognize that behavior. That's a good signal mm. to go start doing some research and start asking questions. And if you ask the questions uh, earlier, things will turn out better. Well, thank you so much, Doug. And we will, um, so it's just Google NAMI, N-A-M-I. And FaithNet, and that will bring you to a page where you can get some information for your parishes or just NAMI if you have someone in your family or a friend or a relative that you really uh, have some questions about. That's a great place to start researching. Yes, and you also have about, I think there's probably seven or eight NAMI affiliates in the Chicago area. And reach out to them, too. We do. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Doug. Thank you. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. The Word Made Clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. Catholic Charities Schreiber Center for Human Services is now open in Round Lake. Due to the pandemic, we are limited in the number of in-person programs that we currently can provide. However, a food pantry is open twice a week and a Wednesday night supper is held with to-go meals every week. 
A wide range of senior services are now offered as well. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call us at 847-546-5733. That's 847-546-5733. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. Listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On The Way. I'm Beth White, your host this morning from the Archdiocese of Chicago, the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. So thank you for listening this morning. The first half, as we you just heard, we were speaking with Doug Beach from NAMI, FaithNet. And now we're going to shift gears more locally to our own Archdiocesan resources. So we have Deacon Tom Lambert. Good morning, Deacon. Good morning, Beth. Good Thank, to be with you. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. So you're with the Archdiocesan Commission on Mental Illness here yeah. in the Archdiocese. So we were just talking with Doug about some of the um, broad issues about mental illness and and the ways in which FaithNet uh, really has created some resources to help parishes or help churches across the country. Now, I wanted to focus a little bit more on what the commission here offers for our parishes. Yeah, we have um, uh, basically a program um, and several resources uh, that parishes can use to create safe places for people to talk about their mental illness and for families to talk about um, what it's like to find help for people with mental illness. So um, we call it awareness, acceptance, and accompaniment. So it's making... Uh, parishes aware of the issues, uh, what is mental illness, and um, accepting people who uh, have mental illness, which basically means um, we believe, of course, every person is created in the image and likeness of God. So um, we talk about a person, uh, not, you know, an illness. So people are a person first, you know, and then illness is part of who they are, no matter whether it be mental illness or cancer or whatever it might be. But you're a person first. And then the second, uh, third is accompaniment. How do we accompany people who uh, have mental illnesses and how do we accompany their families in being supportive? We're not asking people in parishes to become psychiatrists or uh, psychologists. Uh, I always say, you know, just like um, you don't have to be an oncologist to accompany a person who has cancer, um, mm. but uh, we are uh, people who are spiritual companions to one another. That's what a parish is all about, is 
being spiritual companions. So we have a, a series of programs. Uh, one of them is to come into a parish and have a uh, we have what we call a five night series. It doesn't have to be at night, but uh, it's a five part series where we talk about the impact of mental illness on individuals and families. And then a second night we talk. Uh, we have a invite a, a mental health professional to come in and talk about mm. uh, what are the issues, what are the different kinds of mental illnesses, and what is the range. You know, there's severity issues. We're all on the range somewhere, like we, especially with the pandemic. You know, we've been going through um, anxiety, um, perhaps depression. Um, so we all are somewhere dealing with that. For some, it might be milder. For some, it might be pretty severe. Um, and then we talk about how do we accompany people. Uh, one of the th most important things we can do as people of faith is listen to people, and I call it holy listening. It's listening to people with an ear to comfort and compassion and mercy, uh, not judgmental, not you know problem solving. You know we're not we're mm. not therapists, like I said, so mm. we're not solving problems. We're accompanying people, and there is a difference. And then spirituality, you know, where does God come into all this? A lot of people feel that um, they've, you know, maybe this was uh, God punishing them or maybe this is a sin or something, and that's not the case. You know, mental illness is like any other illness. It's part of life, and we deal with it. Um, but God, Jesus understands our suffering because he suffered too. Um, and, you know, we're coming up on Pentecost and at yeah, yeah. In Pentecost, you know, St. Thomas, you know, he wanted to touch Jesus' wounds. And I always say, well, that's part of our need to touch our wounds. Um, Jesus suffered, and Thomas, you know, was dealing with doubts and uh, probably depression because of what had just happened. And so he touched his own woundedness when Jesus asked him to touch his wounds. So Jesus understands our suffering, and so we make that connection through our spirituality. Um, and then the last night is where are the resources in the community? So mm -hmm. we help a parish team find resources in their local community for mental health uh, referrals. Because, again, we're accompanying people, but we need to also refer them to professionals. So that's part of the, that's one of the main things we do. We also have been uh, once a month offering a prayer service for people with mental illness and their families. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it's based on Lexio Divina. So we come together and we focus on a scripture passage, and we're not Bible study. We're listening with an ear to, of the heart. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to understand what, how the passage is speaking to us, and then there's a bit of sharing about, um, uh, you know, how it does speak to us, and which helps one another. Um, because I think the biggest thing for people dealing with mental illness and for their families is feeling alone, feeling that I'm not going, that I'm going through this and nobody maybe understands what I'm going through. Whereas when we connect them up in parishes, we find that, you know, there is great strength in that to understand that this isn't just, you know, me going through all this. So that's some of the things uh, we offer. We have a website of uh, resources uh, that um, is uh, available for people to download information. Is that on the Archdiocesan website, or is that the a separate website? It's um, You can get it through the Archdiocese's um, website, which is it's under the Disabilities Ministry, but 
um, I always say it's easier just to go straight to it because that just connects to ours. And uh, the direct one is www.miministry.org. So for mental illness, miministry.org. Yeah, Excellent. right. Exactly. Thank you. So I think we were talking before, you, you just mentioned the isolation of families and how they feel um, sort of alone when there's a diagnosis. I also think that there's some shame that goes with it, a sense of, uh, I should have seen this, or um, this can't really be happening. And when you when you look at shame, you know, I, I'm... I love Brene Brown. I read a lot of her stuff. And one of the things she says that shame can't handle, because she's a big shame researcher, uh, is talking about it. When you talk about stuff, shame goes away. And shame wants you to stay silent. And so I find it interesting that you talk about that, the need for uh, families to get together and to talk about and not be alone. It is so important. It is, it is crucial. And I think the most healing thing we do as people of faith, is listen to people Mm -hmm. and share our journey together. And I can't tell you how many times, uh, like I've given homilies in parishes um, throughout the country, actually, and after the homily on mental illness and sharing my story of our daughter who has a mental illness, uh, that um, people come up to me and say, you know, why don't we talk about this more in church? You know, why don't we hear this about this, and why can't parishes do more? So I think that's that's the root of it is uh, getting together and listening to what we are each going through and being able to share. I call it creating safe places. So um, you know, for years we've we've been trying to make our churches build ramps for people who are physically disabled to mm-hmm. make our churches accessible. So I call this building ramps for the mind, is that we're trying to make our churches accessible to people who have a mental illness and who feel the stigma that society often places on that person. And so we have to break that down as church and allow people to feel comfortable in sharing their story. And it begins with parishes talking about it, maybe preaching about it, or having a bulletin page that might address that, Um, letting people know that this is a place where we understand what you're going through. We we, um, empathize with what you're facing, Um, but it's your story, and, and nobody can know exactly what you're going through, but we can be there and help you. One of the, um, you just said an on-ramp, so part of evangelization is creating this space where people are seen, known, and heard, and that there's an incredible sense of welcoming and walking with people on their journey, and that's a huge part of evangelization. How do you see um, the work of working with um, mental illness as a part of that? Well, again, it's because people feel... um the stigma of the illness, and so they may not feel comfortable in church, so they may not even go to right. church. Right. Um, so by reaching out to them, uh, one, one of the bad things and horrible things of stigma is, is that if you feel rejected, uh, now think about this, if you feel rejected by your church, you feel rejected by God, yeah. and yeah. that is really a horrible thing. So we want to make people feel that God loves them, you know, and intellectually we may 
be, you know, able to read about that. But how do we feel it? Well, we feel it by having people reach out to one another, by accompanying them, just as you said, on the journey. So, yes, it's absolutely a part of evangelization because evangelization is really being Christ to one another no matter where the person is and bringing them um, that, that spirituality that lets them know God loves them. So the shame sometimes is that, you know, they, they're made to feel shame wrongfully. I mean, mm-hmm. it's because, of, again, the stigma. It's all this, you know, um, misinformation about mental illness. And so that's why we spend a night, you know, talking about what it is and then another night talking, having a professional talk about what it mm-hmm. is so that people don't get the wrong idea about what it is. We're going to take a a break right now, Deacon Tom, and we will be back to continue our conversation um, with you about the Archdiocesan Commission on Mental Illness. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know I'm only alive because I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312-937-3375. Hello, I'm Cardinal Blaise Supich. I got my COVID-19 vaccination and you should too. It took just a few seconds and was painless. The Food and Drug Administration determine the new vaccines are safe and effective. And the Holy See, as well as the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, has concluded getting the COVID-19 vaccine is an act of love of our neighbor and part of our moral responsibility for the common good. We have lived with the pandemic for many months, and I know we're all getting tired of it. Vaccination is one of the most important ways you can protect your health and the lives of those you love and help bring the pandemic under control. When it is your turn, I urge you to be vaccinated. And remember to do your part by wearing a mask, washing your hands and watching your distance. Thank you and God bless you all. Come and take me home. 
Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. I am continuing my conversation with Deacon Tom Lambert from the Archdiocesan Commission on Mental Illness. Thank you again for being with us this morning. So I am looking at the website and I see lots and lots of resources here. Uh, the holy uh, homily notes and ideas, what does holy listening mean, specific actions your parish can take. Um, tell us a little bit more about how all of these resources were built out and um, what people can find there. Well, um, they've been built uh, over 30 years of uh, <laughs> my wife's and mine and others' experience of um, outreach to people with mental illness. And um, I've, I've, you know, we started the commission back in the early 90s, and I've also um, been serving on some national boards of different faith uh, denomination, well, uh, groups that come together of all the different denominations, as well as uh, the National Catholic Partnership on Disability. So we have a wealth of information there, and yeah, um, we can, um, again, you know, there's a lot of, uh, when we first started back in the late 80s and early 90s, there was, was hardly anything around, and so um, now we've seen more and more come on uh, uh, in different parts of the country, which um, we've been fortunate to be part of that. But um, some of the things that uh, you mentioned, like uh, the holy listening, again, is uh, uh, of how to listen to people. Um, and I, th I think one of the things, you know, that um, gets in the way is that uh, we want to be, and out of goodness of our hearts, we want to solve people's problems. And um, Father Albert Nolan, who was uh, uh, a Dominican priest in, in the, during the apartheid years in South Africa, he said, you know, a lot of people wanted to get involved in helping uh, with the, that issue. And he said a lot of them, you know, realized that uh, this is a very big issue. And so then they kind of dropped out of that. But then the ones who stayed, they learned that they couldn't solve all those issues and that the people who were affected really had the answers so that what the people who got involved could bring was uh, helping and listening to them and solving the issues and uh, working together so then rather we helping them it became us welcome together and that's what I think we're trying to do here and that's how holy listening you know when we listen in the context of a person who has dignity and has value and um, knows the issues. And so what gifts do they bring? And then what gifts do we bring? And then in that process, what we find is we grow in love of God together so that we're not just helping them, they're helping us. So then again, it's no longer a we and they, it's an us. And that is what faith community is all about, is us growing together. So that's that's really a key to holy listening. Um, and then some of the other things, the, the what parishes can do, you know, well, it's sometimes it's very simple things, just to get the message out, to send the message that, you know, we, we're here for you. So it's intercessory prayers, praying for people with mental illness. And again, it's <clears throat> people with mental illness. It's not the mentally ill. So it's people, what we call people first language, because you're, mm -hmm. you don't want to be known as a disease. You want to be known, no matter what your illness is, you want to be known as a person. So you're a person with an illness. Um, 
and uh, in, involving, uh, I mean, visiting people in hospitals and homes who have um, mental illness. And again, uh, that can be, uh, people may not want to share that, so we have to find, so you have to say maybe in the bulletin, you know, I want to visit you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, this is all uh, when the pandemic uh, <laughs> gets better to where we can visit people in homes. Um, so when but, we when we look yeah. at the pandemic in, in particular, people pretty soon we get to take our masks off, we're being told. But if we're vaccinated, um, we're going to be able to worship together. That doesn't necessarily mean that people have been struggling this year with anxiety and depression are going to race back to church. Um, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to... Uh, I went to Macy's last weekend and I was so overwhelmed. It was like Christmas time level of people and it took Mm -hmm. 20 minutes to get out of the parking lot. And I was like, oh, and, you know, I haven't really been struggling that much. And I just imagine someone who has anxiety issues, how how much that would trigger things. So what are some of your suggestions? Yeah. And and we have been, you know, our psyche has been, well, we have to be protective, which is good. And we have to do all this. So now we're being told, well, okay, kind of. That's that's no longer the the deal. Well, our psyche still is in that you know protection mode, mm-hmm. and well, it should be. Um, my wife has gone through another number of medical issues over the last fourteen months, so we haven't been to church uh, since the beginning of the pandemic because we need to be protective. But we started because we've been vaccinated. We went back um, three weeks ago, and for the first uh, for the first time, so. I was glad to be back, but I can't say I was comfortable because, mm. again, yeah. my psyche is such that I have to be protected and and should be. So we're, we're all dealing with that issue of, what, you know, what is our level of comfort? And I think we need to realize that, you know, anxiety, we're people with a mind, a body, and a spirit. And our, our central core, we believe, as people of faith, is it's our spirituality that is at our core. And so all three of those things need to be addressed. So anxiety can, you know, we can feel it in many different ways. Um, But we need to take positive steps uh, to reduce that, I think, and so that we feel comfortable. And one of the things um, we can do, I think, on on that website is the prayer each day, which my wife, who is a spiritual director, wrote, and it's one of the most downloadable things, but it's it basically asks, what am I grateful for this day? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, we get caught up in the, you know, what happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future, um, and that's not bad. You know, sometimes we need to uh, grow from what happened in the past and plan for what happened in the future. But we also need to be present to our, you know, each day to what is going on. And grateful for what God has given us, and that's what that each day prayer does. It takes through ten things of ways to look at it, what we um, can appreciate each day. So uh, you know, and then again, you know, during the pandemic, we we you need to exercise, you need to get out. Uh, um, but as we as we venture out, yes, there's going to be that anxiety. So um, I think we have to judge that for ourselves. But again, talk to others. Mm-hmm. How do others feel about doing that? And where? So, as a, as a parish, would you suggest that 
folks if they see that people aren't coming back to maybe make some phone calls or do some sort of outreach? Yes, absolutely. And hopefully we've been doing that yeah. uh, all along. I've tried Keep to, doing it is the point, yeah, right? Yeah. And I've been uh, and and what I've been saying to people is that you know we we want to be in touch with you. So we want to stay in touch. Um, we understand your level of comfort. The fact that you're not going to church doesn't mean God loves you any less. God loves you no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, want to be sure you feel welcomed and that you feel comfortable coming back when you're comfortable. I think that's so important. But we also know that community is so important for this as well, right? That, yes. That we need to have safe spaces in our parishes where people can gather maybe in small groups and and just have an opportunity to maybe even process what they've been through this year. Well, and I think, you know, one thing that we have hopefully learned in this past year is we can be creative. Yeah, we can be. We can be. Uh, we we have a spiritual book club that meets by Zoom. Yeah. Um, I do baptism prep by Zoom. So, I, you know. You don't baptize by Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think we've gotten to that point yet, but, uh, but we do do the prep. I yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Well, but, I appreciate. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, look at all the, um, you know, online. Our parish and many other parishes have mm-hmm. done, you know, Sunday mass online, and it certainly isn't the same as uh, being there. But um, it is a connection that I have felt very good about and when we couldn't get there. Well, I wanted um, to take this last minute together just to really um, focus in on the fact that the mental illness ministries, the MI ministry, one ministry, MI ministry is a great place to start. And you have on here some parishes that are already doing some great work. And so the best thing to do is probably reach out to you. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And I can... um, uh, let people know what parishes are uh, uh, doing this, and um, uh, we have uh, St. Damien's, which is just a marvelous example of um, how to go about it. So um, I can put people in touch with them. And we'll, and, put, we'll put the information on our website as well, folks. So if you're looking, either go there or come to our website, evangelizechicago.org. So thank you so much, Deacon Tom, for all of your hard work and your commitment to this ministry. Thanks, Beth, and uh, great to be with you. Thanks so much. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.